Hello everyone and welcome to Questions You're Not Asking. My name is Tom French. And I'm Chris Morphew. And we are both people who write books about the Bible and the like for young people. And we are writing a book together about questions that you're not asking about God, Jesus, the Bible, and weird hypotheticals that go with that. And this week we are in part two of a discussion about time travel. And the question that we have been discussing is, if time travel is invented, is going back to Bible times an act of devotion or dangerous stupidity? So we'll give you a bit of a recap and then we're going to get into some promised secret time travel that uh, Chris promised us at the end of last week's episode. But before we get into that, Chris, how has your week been? Um, pretty good. It Look, it's been a good week to get to the end of because it's been like the end of this week is also the end of the school term. So um, I am a chaplain at a Presbyterian school here in Sydney, a chaplain and a Christian studies teacher. And we have had a roller coaster year so far with COVID and going online and going back offline and all of that. So it's been amazing the last few weeks to be teaching in real classrooms again. Um, but it is also amazing to have a bit of a rest. So I am pretty excited about that. How about you? How are you going? Uh, my week has been uh, pretty good. I did an intensive last week talking about uh, youth ministry. I'm at Ridley College doing my Master's of Theological Studies, which I will be a master probably in about 10 years' time when I finish it. Um, I'm on holidays at the moment from youth group. I'm a youth minister here in Melbourne, um, but because I'm on holidays, I've devoted myself this week to uh, finishing my next book about the disciples. And I had a good day writing today. I got a chapter done about Jesus' uh, ascension into heaven. And that was fun. So I'm I'm feeling happy. If you're up to the ascension, you must surely be pretty close to the end of the book. Uh, if you, Well, are you going chronologically? Yeah, yeah, I'm going chronologically. I am pretty pretty close to the end, but... But I realized I was going to do the Ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit in one chapter. And then as I did the Ascension, I had so much to say in that one that I was like, oh, we're going to have to add another chapter in. So so I added a chapter today. And how was it like, how did that feel? Because I know that sometimes I get to the end of what I think is the last chapter and I'm like, oh, I'm all psyched up to be done. And oh, OK, back tomorrow and do some more. Uh, no, you I think it was feel good. All right about I felt, it? Yeah, because I realized that I had... I quite enjoyed writing the Ascension chapter and other chapters have felt like a bit of a slog, but this one felt like fun. So then I yeah, was like, oh, I don't mind writing another one. I'm also happy because I have named the chapter Jesus Skips Town and I'm pretty happy with that chapter title. So yeah, I wouldn't want to lose that in a Pentecost chapter. All right, let's, let's get back to time travel. So we talked uh, last week about uh, the possibility like whether time travel is technically possible and i think we got to the point where it's probably not technically possible i think i got to that point it seemed like you were pretty um excited about the idea that it was and in fact had already happened multiple times in the bible which you um have not successfully convinced me <laughs> of but maybe there's more to come yeah no well i'm um, sorry anyway go ahead <laughs> that's what, yeah well i think i'm happy to at least say that there is time malleability in the Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, there could be time travel. I don't know. Happy, happy with, you know, to, we can sit on the fence on that one. Look, everything is malleable. Yes. 
but not everything is beneficial. <laughs> like God can do what he wants, but that doesn't mean he did. That's yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> is time travel possible? Maybe. We don't know. Doesn't really matter for the purposes of the question. Yes, because the question assumes that it is possible or it, it has been invented. And so um, we, we discussed how there's like some different types of time travel. Um, and, and the one that, that we kind of got stuck on was the, the loop one where you, you're always stuck in the loop where whatever you're going to do, you will do. And if you travel back in time, you're going to do that anyway and you did it. And that's a very bad explanation of it. So you should listen to last week's one. Um, but th- we went through like the three different types and then you have a secret fourth one that you're going to explain to us today. So I wanted to hear this fourth fourth type of time travel. Okay, so like very, very quick recap. You've got your back to the future time travel, which is like you just go back and whatever you change, be careful because it's going to cause all kinds of ripple effects when you get back. So you'll, you, you'll come back to the present if you do to find that things have changed based on what you did. Then you've got um, at the other end, you've got the the lost or what did you say? Twelve Monkeys paradigm. The Twelve Monkeys. I think so, but I haven't watched Twelve Monkeys for a while. But I reckon I think you're okay. in the same land. Okay, but the other version, which is basically like you can't change the past. When you go back and do stuff, it won't change anything because whatever you do in 1950. You always did that in 1950, and that's why 2020 is the way it is. Um, And so it's not like you go back, do the thing in 1950, and then it changes everything. Because the very fact that you went back is a thing that always happened in 1950. And so when you go go back from 2020 to 1950 and do the thing, you're only kind of fulfilling what you always would have done, or like what you always had done anyway. And so, and then in the middle, there's the Avengers Endgame version, which is like, you can go back, change it, and then nothing changes. But um, never mind about that one, because that, I don't think, really factors into our conversation. But the problem with the Back to the Future one, I guess, theologically, is that if we can go back and change whatever we want, and, like, we can undo anything. What does that say about, like, the sovereignty of God and God's rule over stuff if we can just go back and rewrite history however we want? What does that say about God's plans for history? And then on the flip side, though, the problem with the whatever happened happened approach is that if it's all... If what I do in 1950 is fated already, doesn't that mean everything's fated? And so what does that say about human free will if we're all just kind of enacting the one version of how time has to go, do we have freedom at all? Mm. Um, and so the, the thrilling cliffhanger that we left on last time um, was that I said I had a secret fourth version of time travel. Um, and it's, it's maybe, that, maybe that was false advertising because it's kind of like a, just a bit of an amalgam of the two. Ah, oh, what... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have come back if I had known. Well, keep listening because maybe it... I, I think it actually is helpful. Um, the fourth thing is basically the thing that I wrote. Um, and I'm not saying that, like, look at me, I'm a trailblazer in the 
in the realms of time travel fiction. And like the reason it's not big noting myself is because I kind of did it by accident because I wrote this series called The Phoenix Files. Um, and spoilers, well, mild spoilers, you should still read them. Um, where, can, where can people get them, Chris? Um, I was going to say in all good bookstores, but that's no longer <laughs> true. You can definitely get the, the ebook version wherever you want um, and then try your luck online. You'll probably find them somewhere or check your local library. Um, yeah, good question. Where can people get them? <laughs> try the internet. Anyway, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to plug my wares. If only I could successfully do that. But anyway, so there is a... Um, there is a time travel subplot in the series and it centers around, without giving anything away about the actual details of the plot, the whole big question that it centers around is, can you change what happened or like is whatever happened, what happened? And I realized in the writing of it that what I was actually doing is wrestling through my own questions about God's sovereignty and our freedom. Like, you know, it's the age old question of if God is in control of all things, then in what sense do we have any freedom to make choices? And if we have freedom of choice, does that mean that God's not actually sovereign over everything? And that has been one of the big questions that I've really struggled with as a follower of Jesus. And weirdly enough, writing a time travel story really helped me because where I came down was, yeah, whatever happened, happened, but equally your choices are instrumental in making it happen. Like if you went back in time to the 50s and someone recorded it on video, whatever they recorded on that video is always what happened. You can't go back and change what's on the video, but equally whatever you did is what made that happen. It was your free choices that caused that thing to happen in the first place. And so the predestined outcome incorporates and doesn't diminish every bit of your free will. Did that make any sense? Yeah, I, th I, think, I think so. So your saying is that, that the way that time works is it's, it's on its path that God has set. But the path that God has set, we are active participants in and the things that we do are always our choices and they and they no Helen <laughs> and they matter I think that's what I was going to get to but that that feels like it's not nearly as nuanced as what you were saying so essentially what I what I tried to get at in the story is what happened to the characters in the past was locked in because it had already happened but it happened as a result of their free choices. So the fact that it was locked in and that is always the way that it went and it was always the, like that it was unchangeable. Like the reason it was unchangeable wasn't that they had no power over the events. The events always happened the way that they happened, but the reason they happened was because the characters made them happen that way. Mm. And where I think that kind of helped me untangle my own personal, um, not of how do predestination and free will intersect is like, yes, God is sovereign over all things. Yes, he is in a sense in control of all things. And yet part of the way that God chooses to exercise his control 
is by giving us freedom. And so the, the perfect story that God is telling with all of history is not the story of his puppets that he is manipulating towards his will. It is the story of his free children who are making their own free choices that he is not forcing them to make. And yet his sovereignty is so complete that he is able to incorporate even that into his perfect plan. So somehow, and like, don't ask me to nail down how, because I'm not God, but somehow God's sovereignty incorporates our free will rather than overriding our free will. And I wonder whether that like also helps us with the time travel question that like, so if I go back, so our question from last, our test kind of case from last week was if I went back to the first century and tried to convince the religious leaders that Jesus really was the Messiah and that they shouldn't kill him, what would happen? I don't know what would happen exactly. Um, I think that probably whatever I did would have a meaningful impact on the events. Like it wouldn't just not do anything. But I think that the meaningful impact it had on the events would actually lead to those events happening the way that we see them in the Gospels as they are currently written. So I wouldn't get back to the present and discover that, you know, I feature as a character in the Gospels or something. Because I don't. Like, that's just not what has happened. You could be the nude guy in Mark. Well, that's true. I could be an unnamed character. But uh, yeah, so let's say I come back and realize, oh, I always was the nude guy in Mark. And so I guess it is kind of like, um, like we said about the whatever happened, happened thing. Like it is kind of like your um, incorrect theory about the angels at the tomb being time travelers. (laughs) But I guess all I'm trying to say with all of that is it's not like none of that means we don't have free choices and we can't impact things. We can impact things, but God is bigger than the way that we impact things. Yeah, that that our free will and participation is all built into God's sovereignty and plan, and they both they both operate with uh, equal realness. But like God is not stymied by our choices because He's able to put it, His our choices into the way that He he has organized history yeah and so i think that if we decide to go like if we invent a time machine and decide to go back and meddle with the events that are recorded in the gospels that's not a surprise to god his all-knowingness extends to whatever we might do there and it doesn't um even if there's a kind of time travel that exists that alters people's memories as events change that doesn't alter God's memory because God is outside of the universe, right? So whatever we're mm-hmm. doing to time, time is God's invention. So whatever. And so I, I think that, you know, in the same way that whatever we do in the present impacts tomorrow, but doesn't derail God's plans. And in fact, it's the, you know, it's the thing that, um, Joseph says to his brothers at the end of Genesis, you know, you intended it, for evil, but God intended it for good and for the saving of many lives. Like, I think that um, that is true about our actions, that God weaves them, whether we intend evil or good, he weaves them together for good. And even if those actions were time travel, God would just work that into his sovereign plan as well. So 
So not go wild, time travel all you want, go back in time and kill Hitler, see what happens. But also, like, even if you did, God's not going to be like, oh, well, now I don't know what to do. He'll... Because he is sovereign over all of it. Yeah. And I, th- and I think it, it works to some degree because God, like, in, t- in terms of time travel, if we believe that God is out, outside of time itself, that he's not bound by time, then then whatever whatever effects time travel has on the world it doesn't have the same effects on him he is not changed by the time travel so he doesn't he doesn't his timeline doesn't change even if we travel back in time that he's always he's on all the timelines or all the possible all the all the existing <laughs> futures and pasts though i think there is only one because it's all gods it's like what we were talking about back in the first episode about the multiverse, right? Like, God is who God is, no matter how many universes he's the God of. Mm. And God is who God is, no matter how many, from our perspective, alternate timelines or, you know, revisions of the timeline he is God over. So where does that leave us, Tom? Well, I think what it, what it means then, in, according to the, the question, uh, is going back in back to bible times an act of devotion it could be especially if we're doing the the one that we talked about where you go back and you're just there to to look and you don't change anything and you can't change anything uh i mean i know that i I guess there's a thing about just the act of observing changes things but if you're if you're not there to change anything then then great Go, go and have a look not a problem if you're going to change things uh, it's not going to stymie God. Um, mm. may, maybe in your in your desire to go and change things, that might be a uh, an outworking of your refusal to accept the sovereignty of God, or your refusal to uh, accept what God has done. Um, so it might be an expression of pride or rebellion to go and try and change things. But if you do. It won't be, it won't make, it won't change God or God's plan because God is bigger than time and your choices are part of God's plans and the way that he is, he is running the universe and chosen things to go. Mm. And so I guess in the same sense that, you know, our attempts to play God or to be God or to overrule God's sovereignty here and now in the present like they have real consequences like our sin has real consequences and the cross is evidence of just like how severe those consequences are and yet the cross also shows us that god can and will do what it takes to keep history moving towards the end that he intends for it Mm. beautiful and there's nothing that we can do that is so bad that we can override that or, like, ruin that. Because God is God and he'll, he'll do what he'll do and what he'll do is good. Absolutely. Amen. So, uh, what, does, it, does this have... Like, like if, you're, if you're thinking about this and the things I talked about, does it make any difference to what you're going to do tomorrow? 
You asking me or are you asking, I'm asking the listener? You. No, I'm asking you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think, like, even even more clearly it says, I can relax because God is in control. It's another facet of the the beauty of God's sovereignty. You know, that it is not this thing that overrides my freedom. And so I can move out into the world knowing that my choices can and do matter and have a real impact. And yet nothing I can do either willfully or by accident can ruin things beyond repair. Like God has already seen it all coming. And so none of it is going to wreck things in a way that God can't fix. So that's good news. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think I'm 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 with you on that. Like I think we can like we can't change the past, but we definitely stress about the future. And we definitely stress about our like our current decisions and we say if I make the wrong decision now, how will how will this break my future? Like if I if I choose the wrong course at uni or I if I choose the wrong job or I quit the job that I shouldn't have quit or I marry the wrong person or I or I don't ask someone on a date who I should have asked on a date all these things or if I if I spend this money like all like little things and big things all of it can be really stressful because we have an unknown future but if but if God is in control then we don't have an unknown future to him and we're not we're not going to break it and we're not going to surprise him He's, he's not going to say, well, I, I didn't see that coming. What are we going to do now? He, he always has your future in his hands. And your choices are, are within, his, uh, with, within his sovereign plan. So you're not going to break things. And so make the best decisions you can. Be as faithful as possible. And, and if you get it wrong, don't worry, because you're not going to break the future. Because God's got it. Hmm. And I guess it's, you know, it's like what Jesus says about not worrying about tomorrow because God knows what we need and each day has enough trouble of its own. Like, like I love to have the illusion of control. I love to feel like if I can just make sure that everything is a known quantity and I know what I'm doing and I've, I've got backup plans for my backup plans and all of that, then things will be fine. And I think Jesus invites me day by day to be like, yeah, for one thing, you don't have nearly enough information to make that work. Also, you don't have nearly enough power to make that work. And even if you did, you wouldn't have enough wisdom to deal with it. So <laughs> how about you just let me be God and you be you? And I think that invitation to just like deal with today and let that be enough, like that's so freeing. I think there's a sense in which do not worry about tomorrow also carries with it this equally good advice of um, don't get stuck in yesterday either because either one is an attempt to be in a part of our life that we aren't currently in. And I think it's equally like trying to control the future and trying to rewrite the past are both futile exercises so let's just deal with the bit that god has given us and trust that he is god over all of the rest of it too great Let, now i i feel like this is where we'd normally end things but we've got a little bit of time so i want to ask you a little bit about altering the past okay do you do you think 
you can alter the past with your prayers. So can you pray prayers that have retroactive power? So you don't time travel, but maybe your prayers do. So I get my exam back and I failed and I say, dear Lord, please let me pass this exam. And then maybe the, the grade turns to an A. Well, I mean, that, that would be very extreme. But I think maybe you say you do the exam and then the, the exam is done. But then, then you pray, God, please don't let me fail. And and then uh, and then as you open before you open your exam results, the exam has already been marked. It's done. It's marked. And then you've got the results. And you're like, please don't let me fail. And then you open it up. And maybe God has gone. I've heard your prayers, and you have not failed. Can does that is that possible? It's possible. Like I think it's not outside of God's abilities to be like, like to know that we were going to pray that later on, and so to kind of answer it on the basis of us asking for it after the fact. I think it's possible, but I wonder whether all the stuff that we've just said about. Um, God wanting us to live in the present maybe has implications for that as well. That Mm -hmm. like, yes, God knows every prayer we are ever going to pray and that is all on his mind. But I think, like, I, I guess the question is, what is prayer? And if prayer is us as humans, as time bound creatures calling out to God, I think the invitation is to, to not pretend that we're not in time. I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you have? Are you asking because you have particular thoughts? <laughs> I have an. I have an opinion. I don't know if it's. <laughs> I I think. Yeah, go. Well, I I regularly pray prayers that I know the outcome has already been decided, but I don't know what it is, and so mm. I'm like, they're like Schrodinger's prayers, and and <laughs> yeah. so. And and I'm I'm relying on the fact that God knows what I'm going to pray, and so until I know the outcome, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for what what I want or what I think mm. God's will is, and then I'm gonna trust Him that He's gonna take that in He took that into account when He made the thing happen, knowing what was gonna happen. Because there's like there are some things when you know that a that that a, that a thing has happened, and but you don't know the outcome, so you pray. But then there are other things that you pray for where you don't know whether it's happened or not, and so you pray. Like like saying praying for someone in labor that, that the labor will be safe. And you don't know when the baby's been born, but you might know when someone goes into labor, and then you don't know what's going on until like a few hours later when the baby's been born, and then you get a message saying, beautiful baby was born at this time. And you're like, oh, man, I, I was praying for like two hours after that. Um but I, I don't think those prayers are wasted. I don't think God goes, oh, baby's born, you're done. I, th- I think he hears them, and I think he, he applies them. Yeah, I guess it's two different things, right? Like, if you are asking God to, like, the exam paper thing. Yeah. I think that's, I think, if you're asking God after you've seen the result to go back in time or to, like, from his, like, standpoint in eternity to change it for you, I don't think God answers prayers like that because surely part of, I mean, like he could, but I like I've never. (laughs) 
seen that. Well, and he's, I think he's the already way given that you see the answer, hasn't he? At well, yeah, and and the way you see God act in history is never by like undoing something and making it so that it never happened. It's always by bringing all of the past and all of the mistakes and all of the things that have gone wrong and turning it all into something beautiful and or like you know the the forgiveness of sins and the and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and then the ultimate resurrection um that's promised when Jesus returns and and the new creation you know like all of that like in the end the promise of the new creation is not the promise of a reset or an undo it's the promise of a world that brings all of everything that has already happened to a beautiful culmination because of God's intervention in history. And so I guess maybe all prayer or like all kind of like prayer where we ask God for stuff is us getting to the limits of our knowledge and of our control and saying, God help. Mm. And so to God, whether I in my ignorance about whether or not my friends had their baby yet, like whether in linear time the baby has been born already or not, in my lived experience of I know my friend's in labor or, has, you know, today is the day that this baby is being born, I'm still reaching out to God, admitting my frailty and my helplessness in this situation and asking God to be God and to to bless my friend. I think God's going to... Yeah, I think you're right. I think God's going to honor that regardless. Great. Well, then I will continue to pray retroactive prayers. I think I, I, think I read about it somewhere uh, in something C.S. Lewis wrote, but I don't remember. It might be in mere Christianity, but I don't remember. I just want to put that out there in case anyone hears this and like, that's C.S. Lewis said that, and that it's probably true. He said a lot of things. So if you know where it mm. is, then send us a message and be like, that's where it is, and then we'll credit him. And he may have got it from someone else either as well. Right. So I think I think that that, that pretty much sums up the time travel discussion. Um, I think so. Do you have any other loose ends that you wanted to bring up while we're doing random additional material time, time travel mopping up well i reckon i i i've got a i've got a thing here which like one of my lecturers said in in my class uh last week he said he said this kind of he dropped this comment about how jesus uh is a like a time traveler from the future who has arrived in the present and i and i heard that and i was like what and he just kind of moved on he was like yeah as N.T. Wright says, and I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "I need to, I need to find this because I'm going to talk about time travel on the podcast." So I went and found found the quote, and I feel like this is this might be a, a good place to finish up because if N.T. Wright's got something good to say, it's going to be better than whatever I've got to say at least. So, but this isn't actually N.T. Wright. He said this was Tom Wright. So it was, it was the small words, Mister Wright. Uh, oh great! It's the one. It's the the NT right for the regular folk. Yeah, in fact, it's the one. It's in the book John for everything. John for everyone. John, John for did I say John for everything? Yeah, yeah. you did. Sorry, it's in John for everyone, uh, and his 
it's it's talking about uh, in John chapter 11 where uh, Jesus uh, raises Lazarus from the dead. But before he raises Lazarus from the dead, uh, he meets Martha uh, and uh, Martha is like, says to him, like, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And then Martha says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. And so N.T. Wright has this to say. As Martha believes this, but her flat response in verse 24 shows that it isn't at the moment very comforting. But she isn't prepared for Jesus' response. The future has burst into the present. The new creation and with it, the resurrection has come forward from the end of time into the middle of time. Jesus has not just come as we sometimes say or sing from heaven to earth. It is equally true to say that he has come from God's future into the present, into the mess and muddle of the world we know. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Resurrection isn't just a doctrine. It isn't just a future fact. It is a person. And here he is standing in front of Martha teasing her to make the huge jump of trust and hope. So, I feel like we have one more time traveler in the Bible, and it's Jesus. I will pay that one. Good job, Toms. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. There's time travel. All right, cool. Um, Great. As we finish up, Chris, if people want to find more from you, where do they find it? Um, you can go to chrismorphy.com and from there you'll find all of my books, including The Phoenix Files, though I just spoiled part of the ending for you. But there's other bits. You, you can read them if you want, if you can find them. Um, but more recently, I have written Best News Ever, A 100-Day Guide to the Gospel of Mark, which I hope you will enjoy if you decide to pick that up. And uh, I also have like a YouTube channel and an Instagram account and all of that. And you can find all that via the website too, chrismorphew.com. What about you, tomfrench.com.au? That's where you would go if you want to find stuff from me. Uh, you can find my books there. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TW French. That's me in all those places. Uh, particularly, I would say uh, you subscribe to my my other podcast while I'm here. I've got a preaching podcast. It's called Tom French Preaching because that's what it is. So go listen to that if you want to. You can hear me when I've uh, a bit more prepared things to say, uh, but less weird things to deal with. I have one final question for you, Tom. Yeah. If you did change your name legally to tomfrench.com.au, yeah. do you think that would be a net positive or negative in terms of your online presence and marketing? It would be an internet positive and a personal net negative. Cool. I don't I don't think I don't think Emily, my wife, wants to be married to tomfrench.com.au. <laughs> what if you just change your um, oh she doesn't have your last name anyway. She I was doesn't. gonna say um, what if you just change your first name so that you were tomfrench.com.au French? Um, <laughs> and then she could still be Emily French, but she's not anyway. Yeah. All right, we should, we should finish up. We'll see you next time we do one of these. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>